You're listening to the Bloodsucking Feminists, your number one Kiwi Scottish podcast focused on the three Fs fangs, feminism, and fangirling. I'm Catherine. And I'm Keely. And you're listening to episode 25 Skedavam, or A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, directed by Anna Lily Amapur. Oh, had you seen this film before? No. It had been on my list for a while, but I hadn't actually seen it before. Uh, you said you, you've you seen it before, though, haven't you? Yeah, long, a while back, for, around the time it like, first came out. So it was, I was seeing it with reasonably fresh eyes again. It was definitely not what I expected. I was saying I expected some things, like the black and white and being Iranian and all that, but not the skateboarding or the cat or... Yeah, like there was so much that I didn't expect and stuff that I did, which is good. I really liked it, but it was just like, huh. I mean, the sheer like um, range of genre influences in this is really fascinating because it's not just no. It was billed when it first came out in so many reviews as it's the world's first Iranian vampire western, um, but it's also a film noir, it's a James Dean movie, it is a sort of pastiche of teen movies, a sort of both of the 50s and the 80s. It's a revenge fantasy. It's a really interesting feminist film. I And it all, and it all works in pretty interesting harmony. Because there are so many disparate things going on here. Um, but it, I think because it's just such a, you know, it's a lean one minute forty. It's reasonably dialogue free, and there's there's very few B plots and stuff. It's, it's pretty focused just on the girl who walks home alone at night, or often skates. <laughs> Once she mugs a child. Oh, she just straight up threatens that kid. That kid had it coming. So you remember how uh, Hotel Transylvania, when we did that episode, was pretty much we decided it was a vam- it was a sorry a historical novel with a vampire in it. Sometimes I really got the impression that this was one of those movies that's about the darker side of a society. You know, the people we forget about or don't look at, and a vampire is just wandering through and upsetting a few things. Not a movie about a vampire in some ways. A movie with a vampire. Well, that's where the Western influences come in. This is, really is of that genre of the, the mysterious figure rolls into town and shakes things up or brings their own form of justice to the place. And that's really one of the things that the girl does. And it ties in so much with familiar stories that we've had about, you know, like the rape revenge fantasy. There's no rape in this film. There's no sexual assault. But, you know, well, you have that that particular kind of tone. I mean... You, you cannot shake what the central image of this movie is, which is a young woman wearing a shadow, which is a, a form of a cover for Muslim women, skating through town and basically fucking up shit for men. And fighting for those women. So to go back to yet another thing, like the, the, the basic conceit of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the basic idea was you know, the cheerleader or the, the the young woman being chased into the alley, but what if she was the the monster or the person able to fight monsters rather than just the victim? Here, we, if, especially if you are a woman, the idea of, you know, you don't walk home alone at night, 
don't have your headphones in, stick to the lights, be aware of your surroundings. It's, it's an image of prey rather than predator. But because she is the ultimate predator, she's able to just wander through town at night. In fact, that's almost, you know, she can wander around and just be creepy as creepy as anything. <laughs> Watching people and threatening children and doing all sorts of things because she has that advantage that, you know, she will go after men who attack women, men who will presume that she is one of them. Yeah, it's also... Um if you look at this this city she lives in it's not filmed in iran it's filmed in like the deserts of california in the city called taft but it's called the bad city that is the name of the place where they live it is they are essentially living in a ghost town so the idea of this sort of strange specter of a woman emerging through the shadows is not that unusual it doesn't seem to be the most unusual thing in this town but you also see the way that she moves. I mean, sometimes she is rolling on this skateboard, but because of the cover, that she, the shadow that she's wearing, and this film being shot in black and white, the way that she sometimes blends into the background. Like, there are several shots in this movie where you know that she's there, but you can barely see her, which I found really fascinating. And then, of course, the way it billows behind her in very classic vampire style. Yeah, and we see that... Um, paralleled later on when the lead character Arash goes to a fancy dress party as Dracula. There's a wonderful moment in the film where uh, the girl is rolls past him while he is um, very, very high and stare, but he has gotten lost to which dress is Dracula and he's looking at uh, one of the big, bright, shiny streetlights and she sort of rolls past him and stops and goes and she gives him this look of like, Dad? Is that actually... It's just like for this flash moment, she sort of thinks for a moment, maybe it is actually Dracula. Uh, we should, I mean, the basic plot of the movie is that um, the, the lead character is a young Iranian man called Arash. He lives with his dad, who is a heroin addict. Um, they are harassed by a, a drug-dealing pimp who basically takes his car as collateral. So Arash goes to get it back and ends up finding... Uh, this pimp dead on the floor because the girl has already got to him. And then she and Arash have a sort of pseudo courtship. He mostly just seems they mostly just seem fascinated by each other. There isn't really much development beyond that. It's their relationship is more about that sort of potential to get out of this this sort of ghost town, with the implication being that this town used to be a really great place of of industry and wealth. It's on the outskirts of oil refineries and diggers, uh, but no one actually seems to do anything. No one ever seems to do anything but come out at night. It's not just the girl. You see every now and then there are shots of the kids and stuff, but it doesn't seem like there is much to this place. We see a shop, we see a couple houses, we see a prostitute, and then we see a party, but the party's in a different town. Which is sort of a situation that you're seeing a lot in America. You know, the economically anxious white working class in the old um, Rust Belt, the towns are shrinking, the the industry is changing and dying. They're sort of stuck in one of those 
town. This this is why I think it was deliberate that. I mean, I understand the film is shot in America, obviously, because it's really hard to get filming permits to in Tehran, especially if you are an American national, as Anna Lilia Mirpur is. She is of Iranian descent, but she was born and raised in America. Um, but I think it was also deliberately they picked a location that could have been geographically um, familiar to a lot of places. Like, if you changed a few of the music cues, this film would be like giant by james dean i mean the fact that even arash in the beginning is dressed like james dean like that is a very deliberate choice that they made there like i i knew nothing about the movie or what the style was going to be or anything like that and my first thought was wow that guy looks like james dean second thought did james dean just abduct that really unimpressed fat cat answer third thought that shot of all the dead bodies in the dried up river is really cool but it's never mentioned again i know right i mean it's such a striking image but it never comes up again it's just very odd to me that that reminded me of um and i know that uh amir said this was one of her influences was like the films of robert rodriguez you know the stuff like el mariachi and once upon a time in Mexico, the kind of stuff that he did before, like the Spy Kids and Sin City movies. Actually, there's a lot of like Frank Miller esque elements in here as well. Like, I mean, obviously the timeline I'd, doesn't really work, but there were some things I felt like I was watching, mostly in the stylistic choices, um, stuff from uh, Only Lovers Left Alive. Oh, yeah, it's very Jim Jarmusch. I think the, the use of music in particular. Is very Jim Jarmusch. The ve- yeah, I was like thinking this is like a, a a sibling type of movie. There's lots of the feeling. It's just instead of being a bunch of snooty white people in Detroit, it's the people they wouldn't care about. Yeah, I mean, in terms of other influences that Amir Pur had, the Iranian New Wave of cinema is a big one here as well. Um, but it, you know, we could we could probably spend the entire episode just listing things that have been a huge influence on this. Um, but from the opening shot, that you have the, the the James Dean angle, and you know what, what we think of with James Dean is this sort of on an exceptional level of cool and tragedy, and it's something that generations of guys have tried to evoke, conveniently forgetting that it ends really badly for James Dean. Immortality through death. Yeah, uh, I think the spoiler alert as well, the fact that the film ends with them driving off as well. It's not a tragic driving off in the way it was for James Dean, but the imagery continues. It is, you know, coming full circle there. I think also just the use of like that James Dean imagery then combined with all these other things gives it a really timeless and out of time feel. So, I mean, even not just the black and white thing, although that really does set a mood but things like he's dressed like James Dean he's driving an old car then there's the CDs and things like that floating around then he's playing on a tape deck and and some of the clothing seems modern some of the clothing seems old it's it's a strange kind of throwback town like it's trapped yeah it's everywhere and nowhere anytime no time. And that's a really interesting element because you see a lot of that in vampire stories as well. But usually it's the vampire that's trapped in time, whereas here the girl is very connected to modern pop culture. 
we see her in the the place where she's living, which seems to be some kind of squat. But she loves to listen to modern pop music, a lot of it in English. She has posters on her wall of different musicians. I believe I saw Cindy Lauper and the Bee Gees on the back there. You know, and th- this is the one thing that she seems to really get a frill out of, which is sort of lying around her. I guess it's her flat. We don't really get an insight into that, but she just dances around her flat listening to music and terrorizing children. Yeah, and she specifically mentions uh, hello by, well, hello, hello, she says, by Lionel Richie. Okay, <laughs> wasn't expecting that, um, which is, you know, 1984. So it's this weird alternate universe of everything and nothing. There's so much trappings of Americana in there, but it's clearly not America. No, it's the sort of trappings of, um, like, the youth of Americana. You know, this is a very young cast. Like, the, the oldest person in it is Arash's dad, Hussein. But almost everyone else is a, you know, they seem to be mid to late 20s. Maybe a bit younger. But for a town, it's the idea of you know being trapped in this sort of ghost town, that it's the younger generation who are sort of stuck in this disparate life of work, of overwork, it does seem to be nothing especially legal, um, parties, drugs, and then occasionally getting, you know, your fingers bitten off by a vampire. Honestly, to keep have to keep having a woman who's just sprouted fangs for to have her keep filleting your finger y- you kind of deserve it for being that stupid <laughs> yeah that was just stupidity I mean too it's like he's just like okay that's kind of hot <laughs> and then she chops it right off and I'm just thinking there yeah imagine what she would have done if you'd gotten where you wanted to be well it's interesting we have this character um Saeed is his name and he is this pimp and he is dressed like the stereotype you have of like a juggalo pimp, you know? I I was thinking Joker by Yeah, he is Jared Leto's Joker long before that happened. Do you think he was influenced by this movie? (laughs) But we had um, so we have this character who is basically someone who has watched a lot of terrible American movies and is styling himself after that. Like, he is probably... I, I don't know if this is set around the time of Spring Breakers, but he, he is probably a huge fan of that movie. He's got the tattoos, he's got the terrible haircut, he's got the jewellery, um, and he seems to view women exclusively as potential prostitutes. The first time we really see him, he is, you know, threatening Arash and Hussein to get money out of them, and as collateral he takes their car, this car that we already know he has worked very, very hard to keep. We then see um, Said in the car with uh, Ati, who is one of the sex workers, yeah. um, slightly older woman, generally kind of disconnected from the world, and he's basically a dick to her. He's basically hitting her up for money, and then when she wants her cut of the money, he just won't give it to her. And when we see him meet the girl for the first time, he is viewing her under the assumption that maybe she could work for me. 
or maybe and then maybe I can get something for her. So when they go back to the to his place, where's our drug? He of drugs, and then he starts trying to do the sexy dance. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not a great sexy dance. Um, and that's where she seems interested, and he sort of is like stroking her lips with the the move for her to just start sucking on his finger and then she reveals her fangs and he sort of pulls back and then he seems kind of cool with it whereas most of us would have just taken those steps much further back so he puts his finger back in and she bites it off and really why is he surprised yeah just bad choices all around many many bad choices there and it doesn't end well for him and that ends up playing further into the um into the sort of rape revenge fantasy element that we have so i think that ties in more to stuff like the spaghetti western genre uh the robert rodriguez influences this woman who rolls into town and is looking out for the other women that are there there aren't that many in the story but the guy in the brothel who's getting way too handsy with the women who are saying no. Or just, you know, assuming every woman works in the brothel or whatever. Well, we really don't see the... There, there seem to be, like, three main women in the story. There is Saida, there is the girl, and there is Ati. Uh, Shada, I should say. So Shada is a wealthy, sort of socialite kind of woman who uh, Arash occasionally works for. Um, and the first time we see her, she's basically being sort of typical kind of spoiled socialite girl. And Arash steals um, a pair of diamond earrings from her that she doesn't ever seem to notice go missing. And he uses those earrings. Originally, he's going to use them to get back his car. And when he goes back to visit Saeed, Saeed is already dead. So he takes not only his drugs, and now he decides that that's what he's going to do. Well, yeah, he decides maybe I'll just become an ecstasy dealer now, which ends terribly as he gets him because he gets. I wouldn't even say he gets tricked into taking an ecstasy pill. He crumbles so quickly once Shada asks him to take an e pill. Yeah, but he, basically, hot chick asks him to do a thing. The little brain, and then he gets high. so high, you guys. <laughs> I want to be cool. I don't want. <laughs> and then just stares at a light. And then says, we can sit here and just sits down. You're definitely not Dracula. And she's like, what? No, I just want a, a movie where like, a Gary Oldman style Dracula just accidentally gets high. There's also one other character who's worth mentioning who we see in the film actually doesn't actually ever speak. But you have this character um, who's billed as the, under the name Rockabilly, but we never actually see them talk. They are sort of this silent observer of everything that's going on. And this is the character that Amir Poor has said the, the most political element of the film and not the fact that her um, protagonist wears a shador. You know, the idea of having this, you know, very queer queer individual in this town, in a, a country where being gay is, I don't know, is it illegal or is it just not a thing? We don't talk about... <laughs> Male and female same-sex sexual activity are illegal in Iran. Being trans is legal if it's immediately accompanied under reassignment surgery. 
Iran carries out more sex change operations than any other country in the world after Thailand, according to Wikipedia. We have this character who is um, seems to be a drag queen, um, maybe a, a trans individual. Um, Amirpur is not specific in this, but their presence in the story is interesting. They seem to be the sort of watcher of the piece because you have you know they wear the uh, a veil but they also have on you know a fabulous makeup job there's the entire sequence where they're dancing with the balloon like several minutes just on them dancing in this wreck of a town possibly with what looks like a, a half dug grave in the background so she has on a headscarf, which is kind of like the rockabilly it's style like the of fashion. The eyebrows are drawn on. The lipstick looks great. And she, they're, they're wearing this kind of like this tassely cowboy style shirt. It's very Dolly Parton. So I, I, I find that very interesting. Um, I would like to have seen more of that character. I feel like the unimpressed cat gets more time than Rockabilly, which is a bit of a shame. It is a really cute, fat-ass cat. With some really unimpressed expressions. Like, I wonder how long it took them to film all the stuff with the cat. Because, damn, that was an unimpressed cat. It's like, are you taking me away? Why are you dressed like James Dean? Are you going to feed me? Also, by the way, that chick is a vampire. I, I think we should talk about uh, <laughs> some of the the men in the film. Like, you know, what about the men? Um, but this is really... It's Irish's story probably more than it's the girls. You know, for one thing, he gets a name. Uh, but he is sort of the... You know, he's the guy from, like, the Bruce Springsteen Born a Wrong Run song. He is the guy that's, you know, stuck in this small town and he's got to get out of here and he'll do it with this girl even though he doesn't really know her and he knows that she just kills people. And that doesn't seem to bother him. I mean, he has a very difficult relationship with his dad, we should state. His dad is a heroin addict who has basically trapped them in this poverty. That no matter how hard Arash works to, to get out of it and make something of himself, he struggles with daily. Because his dad, you know, due to his own addiction problems and money problems, that's the reason his car gets taken away. So when it is Irish's dad who the girl kills because he tries to force one of the women to do heroin with him. Yes, she doesn't want to do it. really doesn't want to be with this guy right now, even as a paying customer. And uh, the, the girl comes in and kills him. And Atty helps her get rid of the body. And also tells her, take the cat. The cat is evidence. How traumatizes that little kid? I get gets mugged by a vampire, watches the vampire dump a body. Yeah, that kid gets frightened. I mean, that's the interesting thing about the, the vampire herself as well, is that whereas like the vampires in Only Lovers Left Alive are much more explicitly tragic figures she can be really unsympathetic I mean she does just straight up threaten to kill a and child his, um, almost as like to stop him from becoming one of those men basically 
So, um, I sort of said earlier that this is a movie not about a vampire, but a movie with a vampire in it. The story is happening, and the vamp- the vampire wanders through it, acting as a catalyst. It's the same thing with Arash's life. Uh, she comes in and upsets their balance unintentionally. It's just their paths cross in a violent way, and highway. Yeah. And anything is better than what he has, really, isn't it? At the end, does it matter how he gets out as long as he is out? I think that is interesting. Is that the the, the the there does seem to be this huge gap in this town between those who have everything, and for someone like Arash, working hard is probably not going to even bring him close to having everything. Um, briefly trying to be a drug dealer doesn't help either. Really, his his option is to leave. But leaving is you know also has a a cost that he was previously to meet. I mean, the thing that's interesting as well about the girl, we really don't know anything about her. She's not given a backstory. I mean, she's not even given a name. It is this sort of man with no name situation that you find in a lot of these westerns. You don't really need them to have a backstory. You just need them to come in and do the job. Even if the characters in this world don't necessarily know what the job is. No. Because she really doesn't interact with that many people. She interacts with... um, um, Arash obviously Saeed because she kills him Um, Hussein Hussein, because she kills him she pisses off the little boy and then she does follow um, one of the women yeah she's got like handfuls of jewellery that she's just just, like like, nicked off of people you know you are you are sad I'll give you the pretties but doesn't entirely seem to understand why anyone would want them but she does get, um, he does um, give her those earrings, but she doesn't have pierced ears, so she asks him to pierce her ears, which is this interesting kind of switch in the power dynamics. The first time that we meet them, he is, you know, he is high off his balls, and she feels drawn to that vulnerability. And even when he is, like, completely exposing his neck to her, and they're, like, sort of having their fun cute sexy dance around her apartment the, the opportunity presents itself for her and she doesn't take it she's just much more interested in having a kind of moment of intimacy with him and then when she does tell him you know you don't know all these things that I've done these horrific things he just he's unfazed he doesn't care and then that's when she asks him to pierce her ears insert metaphors here about you know penetration she someone else prick her and draw blood and then she gets these earrings, which are basically an ultimate status symbol. I mean, they're such a status symbol that the woman who actually owns them doesn't realize that they're missing. It's completely beyond her interest by that point in time. So when we get to this ending story, uh, Arash has discovered his dad's body. And he runs to the girl and says, you know, will you run away with me? And she says yes. So she starts gathering up her things. And then uh, the... Chekhov's cat appears and Arash realises that she had something to do with this. Maybe she killed him. Maybe that is the terrible thing that she's done. But it's not until they're in the car and they're driving off and he sort of pulls over at the side of the road and is angry but doesn't really know what to do. And there's no discussion. They don't talk about it. It's just... 
his sort of silent anger in the car and then he kind of gets out gets back in puts and on music so and then they drive away like the end of the uh am i thinking of the the the, the titles escape the graduate yeah you know where they're just sitting in the back of the bus and it's like hella awkward it's like the di- yeah their relationship itself is ambiguous but I think it's more about the escape exactly. than it is the relationship. But you do wonder, what is she getting out of this? Because she comes across as very inhuman at multiple times. Not just, you know, unfeeling or uncaring. There's something distinctly alien about her. She's so beyond humanity. And then in other ways, she's enraptured by it. Well, when she is out outside where she's wearing the shadow or you know the, the form that she has the way that she moves on the skateboard it is very unhuman but once she's back in her house she just looks like any normal kind of you know 20 something girl who listens to music huh? she dresses quite modern and i'm sure that there's a metaphor in there about the way that this particular society restrains women against their will um, I'm far. I feel far too white to get into that particular conversation. Yep. But it is worth noting that um, there is a semblance of a very modern young lifestyle here as well. I mean, Arash does go to this fancy dress party, where people are, you know, you know, dressed in fun, strange manners openly taking drugs you know they come up to him at the bar knowing that he has drugs there's no sort of of secret transaction they just do it out in the open yeah just look for dracula it's a pretty shoddy dracula costume as well it's really just the cloak and some attempt at pale makeup i mean he's a much more interesting vampire when he's high to be honest I wonder what if there were any troubles in having this movie be in Farsi. Like, I wonder if a producer or anyone tried to sit around there and say, you know what, this should be in English. I mean, I know it's set in Iran, but all the other movies that are set in foreign countries speak in English. Can we do that? And I'm glad that they didn't. I'm glad that it is actually, even for what is filmed in America, it is an explicitly Iranian story. It's well. This even if you somehow manage to ignore the language, things like well, the spoken language and the fact that it's subtitled, uh, which probably is a turnoff for a lot of people, which is the uh, like the license plates and the news and everything ha- is not in English. Those houses may sure as hell look, you know, American small town California, but it's not. I mean, would you recommend this film for people who haven't seen it? Yeah, it's definitely something different. I imagine people who aren't a fan of a lot of modern vampire films might like it because it's not what you would imagine a vampire film is, or it's not... Like, like if you're a fan of westerns, you'll find something to like in this. If you're a fan of James Dean, you'll find something to like it. If you're a fan of noir, if you're, you know, there's something in it for most people regardless of the feelings yeah i mean there are so many different genres going on here there's a chance that you'll like at least one Um, of the genres but i think if you are just coming at this as a vampire movie fan i would definitely say it's a must watch particularly for this sort of new 2010s era of vampire stories that we have 
where we're seeing it become much more of a sort of cooler indie thing again after a couple years in you know inescapable mainstream consciousness so now we have these you know directors and writers like Anna Lily Amrapur who are coming back to the genre with fresher eyes with a new perspective and a, a relish to make something a little more interesting out of it because you could easily build this as a vampire romance but it is a pretty strange and sort of abrasive one it's much more about you know it's much more about revenge it's much more about isolation it is much more about the culture clash it's much more you know there's so much more going on here than that one element but if you want to watch it for that there is certainly something there for you yeah like as i said hotel transylvania is historical novel with a vampire in it this and the this is not a vampire romance there's romantic elements but there's not really romance and vampires in it. but like how the silver kiss was a story about grief with a vampire in it I mean, it's another case of, like, everything that we do. What is the vampire a metaphor for here? And there are so many things that you can go with. It could be about, you know, the subjugation of women. It could be about revenge against patriarchy. It could just be about having really great taste in music. The music is great. I mean, if nothing else, listen to the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. But if you've been around for so long, surely you've got to pick up something about music. But her tastes skew almost exclusively modern. Or at least, like, mm. retro-modern. But then again, look at how easily she packs herself up into one bag. She's probably very used to letting go of the past and letting go of objects. True. Once again, it's the, you know, the mysterious figure rolls into town. The, the job is done, out they go. I think that's a good way to end it. So, so yes, that was a bit of a short episode this month. Um... There's a lot of interesting stuff written about this, but being so white, our foundation color is vanilla. I, I am not joking there. This has actually happened. Uh, there's a few things that we would recommend you spe you seek out own voices for. We'll have a few links to them in our information section. Uh, anything else you'd like to add on there, Kaylee? Skate on. <laughs> yeah. But don't worry, we'll have plenty to talk about next month because we're finally going to do the well, one of the elephants in the blood-sucking feminist room. I'm just now imagining a, an elephant that drinks blood and like the tusks of giant fangs. <laughs> um, we're doing Bram Stoker's Dracula by Francis Ford Coppola. So that's it from us. Uh, if you want to yeah, come visit us on our website, bloodsuckingfeminist.com. Send us your fang mail at fangmail at bloodsuckingfeminist.com. That's fangmail with a G because you know the drill by now. We're on Twitter, bloodsuckingfem. We're on Facebook. Uh, if you Google, you'll probably find us elsewhere or people complaining about us. I think there's one person who doesn't like us, but I don't think we're that important that they actually remember that they don't like but us. But we always remember. <laughs> Vampire elephants never forget. So until next time, she was a skater's vamp. We said, see you later, vamp. <laughs>